to most, Craig DeRoche was a powerful politician with a long political career ahead of him. As a high-functioning alcoholic, he had people fooled. But as his life fell apart and the addiction caught up with him, no one could predict what God had planned. Now DeRoche uses his political expertise and his humbling and redemptive experience to affect policy change in states throughout the country, including Arizona. Family Policy Alliance's CAP's national connection to like-minded influencers striving for value-based policies protecting life, freedom, family, and religious liberty. Here now is Kathy Herod and Craig DeRoche. Welcome to Engage Arizona, the podcast of Center for Arizona Policy. I'm Kathy Herod, president of Center for Arizona Policy. My guest today is Craig DeRoche, the president and CEO of Family Policy Alliance. At Center for Arizona Policy, we are pleased, blessed, um, just grateful to be part of the Family Policy Alliance Network. And that is a network of family policy councils throughout the United States. We'll talk a little bit more about FPA in a little bit. Craig um, has a very interesting background. He was the, one of the youngest people ever elected as Speaker of the House in the state of Michigan. He is a former president of Justice Fellowship, the organization, the ministry group founded by Chuck Colson. Frequent speaker, Arthur, published in most national media outlets. He's married to Stacy. They have three lovely daughters. And it's been one of my personal and one of CAP's biggest blessings over the last year to have Craig, to have Craig come on board and take the leadership role at Family Policy Alliance. So welcome to Engage Arizona, Craig. Well, it's a privilege, Kathy, to be with you and, and uh, Cap and, and all the listeners uh, on, on uh, this program. So thanks for having me. Well, and before we talk about FPA, Cap, and public policy, I want our listeners to get to know you, Craig, and especially how Jesus has changed your life. Um, you've written a book that I think um, is well worth people's time to to consider because it's an inspirational story of how Jesus can save a man's life and save a man's life I've, in more ways than one, I would say. The book, Highly Functional, A Collision of Addiction, Justice, and Grace. So just share your story briefly with our audience, please. Yeah, um, I, uh, like many Americans, like actually addiction is all over the world it, it doesn't matter what country you're in your race your gender your, you know uh, uh your societal economic impact you know of, of how you grew up i uh i struggled in addiction from the time i was a little kid 10 11 years old um by the time i was 14 was when i was full-on ad- addicted to alcohol for the first time um where i needed to drink every day and uh, while that was going on um i uh um was very successful in 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 school and in college and in business. I, um, God let me run the spring out a long way. And uh, uh, so it surprised a lot of people after I was elected Speaker of the House. I was uh, 34 when I took office, 33 when I was elected. Um, uh, I was out. I was 39 years old. I, I had uh, done a lot of very high profile things as Speaker um, and in, in, even in national politics. And so it shocked a lot of people when I was arrested for drunk driving. It was my first offense. Um, and, uh, then I, uh, violated my probation and got a second charge, uh, four months later. And both of them were in the national media on the AP and the Reuters wires. And, um, I chose to lie the first time and, uh, say I had a bad day. And, um, I hope that the embarrassment and the punishment would be enough for me to change. I was trying to do it myself. I was trying to do it as we call white knuckle it, um, with my own willpower, my own, uh, talent and discipline and, um, when I, when I had the second uh, one come up, I, I lost everything. I, I had a very low bottom, uh, personally. 
And because um, I like to tell people, God loved me enough to take away everything. Uh, so all that was left was him, you know, uh, for me. And um, I uh, surrendered very completely uh, because I'd lost everything. Um, and I, I didn't know what to do. It's been 29 years of me trying to stop using drugs and alcohol. And um, I told God that uh, not, nothing in this world mattered to me anymore. I, I just didn't want to drink. And if, and, um, if you'd help me with that, I'd do whatever I wanted. And I had a very radical um, conversion. Um, uh, not everybody has that. Um, as we say, sometimes slowly, sometimes uh, quickly. But I had a actual physical manifestation and really an assurance from God immediately that he's very real and that he knew who I was. And, and then he cared and he loved me. And, and uh, it's been 11 years now. And uh, I couldn't have said this with confidence. I would have told you in the first days, Kathy, um, I've never felt this way before in my life. You know, um, it, it seems like the addiction has been pulled out, root and branch. It, it was noticeable. Um, I lived with it since I was 10. I was nearly 40 years old. Um, so I, I could tell a difference. And uh, so I wouldn't say it as an absolute term, but 11 years later, I can tell you every moment of every day uh, for the last 11 years, I've been a different person born again in Christ. And uh, that feeling has been there. And um, so, yeah, just a word of hope for your, your listeners, too, that, that um, there is a solution. If, if you're looking for solutions elsewhere other than, than God in, in, a, in a bottle or in relationships or gambling or other things, that uh, God can remove it root and branch uh, from you. And uh, happy to share that testimony. Well, and amen. I think all of us have issues that we struggle with, and, and many have addictions. I mean, that's absolutely right. Are there any you know types of things that you do or disciplines that you do that um, I mean you talk about a you know dramatic change but that help to keep you on the right track or anything that any words of advice that you give to others that struggle with addictions? Yeah, um, one of the things uh, that I talk about is um, I think it's important for people to know um, really two things. One is uh, that using drugs and alcohol are not a problem for the person that are using them; they're, they're your solution. Um, and it's important for people to understand that, right? It's, it, we say things backward in the culture, but if someone's contemplating suicide, they're contemplating a solution, not a problem. Someone's committing a crime, they don't have a problem with breaking into houses, they're breaking in houses to solve a fear or, or, or something that they have, or an anger or something. And, and um, so uh, uh, people need to understand that if they're doing something they don't like about their own behavior, it's a solution that is is beneath them and and uh, something that they should try to look at how do i solve these problems of fear and anger and pride and guilt and and that's where um we can bring what is causing that fear and anger and pride and shame and jealousy or whatever it is resentment um and we can bring those to jesus christ and um that is what he gave up at, at the cross he can forgive us for those things and we don't have to carry that baggage and then we won't need that solution anymore and um i also tell people the second thing kathy is a lot of people uh, on tv they portray people in recovery for addiction like these drone miserable people that one day at a time means you've got to labor all day long and you've got to go to these meetings and everything it, it we, i joke with people i learned this from my sponsor he called it the cash and prizes of the program God and Jesus offers freedom and peace, freedom and peace. And if you don't know what those cash and prizes feel like, I would encourage everybody on your, on your show right now to dive deeper into their relationship with Jesus, because that's what he said when, when he appeared back to the apostles 
I give you my peace. I, I come back with the peace. And, and that's what I felt that first night when I went to bed for the first time in my life. Uh, I didn't have a worry in the world. I could shut my eyes. I wasn't thinking about the past or the future or anything else. I'd been set free. And so um, I want people to hear that too. It's not a life of drudgery. It's a life of freedom and peace. You know, Craig, I think another part of your story in your book, you talk about Stacy, and of course I've had the, the blessing of meeting Stacy. but here's a quote from your book. I was married to a woman who loved me through her fears and anger, and despite the betrayal my life had been on so many days. And I mean, just that phrase in the book, toward the end of your book, what hope that brings to those who might be going through these types of issues. But what that's the other part of the miracle, is that your family is intact and a great, strong family today. What a blessing, you all. <laughs> I'm going to accuse you of pulling a Barbara Walker. Yeah, no, no. no. There, uh, Kathy, I almost started crying uh, for the people who listen to this. Um, but I caught myself. I didn't want to cry. Um, I love my wife. And um, uh, there are biblical reasons for divorce. We all know that. And, um, you know, I... You know, I, I didn't qualify on, on some of them. I, I wasn't, you know, having an affair and doing things like that, but I was betraying her. I was lying to her. Um, I was putting the kids, you know, at risk, you know, with, with you know, like she didn't know whether or not I was drinking and, and things like that. And so she had a lot of good reasons to question whether or not it was the right thing to do to stay married to me. And, um, yeah, just when you share that stuff and, and, and know that, um, and for the listeners at home too, she paid me the greatest compliment and it, came right out of scripture she she said you know um you're a different person than i married in fact i don't really recognize you and she said but i'm very attracted to who you are now and i want to i want to see about making this work that was three months after um i'd surrendered in christ she she actually said right out of scripture you're you're a different person Uh, um and and i like this person and so let's try to work on our marriage and um um, there's, there's people that don't make it through that way, Kathy, you know, um, so I don't want people to think that, uh, that's something that they should hold in their hands again and try to manage and do. Um, I think a big part of why I was attracted to her as, and was a different person was I surrendered my marriage, you know, to Jesus and, and, and my relationship with my kids as, as countercultural as that sounds in America right now. Um, that's what the Bible says to do. You know, the, you get one relationship right, and the other ones will get sorted out. But if you're saying, I'm going to, I've got to save my marriage, I've got to have a certain number of hours with my kids, and I have rights, uh, and then I'm going to get around to making sure that I'm talking to Jesus every day. Guess what's going to happen to the first two? <laughs> it's not going to go very well. And I said, I don't know. I, you know, I want to, if, if I'm divorced, I want to be the best divorced ex-husband and, and the best father uh, um, I can be and, and uh, demonstrate that, that I can be a good father to her if she has nervousness about the kids being with me. And I'd accept that, God, and I'll do the rest of it. And what God brought back with that complete surrender was a change of heart in my wife and a marriage that we didn't know was possible. We were married in a church, you know, uh, but but I would say that it truly became the, the spiritual blending of one flesh you know didn't occur until i she was a christian before until i had surrendered in, in christ and that's what consummated us into a 
union of one flesh and that's how we've had the privilege of living for the last 11 years well and great hope in um following god's word and god honoring and blessing and so very very um grateful um to hear your story and i know that um others are grateful as well so let's talk about family policy alliance and we would have over 40 of our states i'm not sure what the latest number is in our network but first just go ahead and share what is family policy alliance what are family policy councils yeah, no, okay, thank you for that. Family Policy Alliance is, is really um, is an amazing organization I have the privilege of leading. Uh, we're located in the Focus uh, building in Colorado Springs. We're founded by James Dobson and Focus. And um, there, there's a number of things that James Dobson and, you know, founded ADF, FRC. Um, but but uh, Family Policy Alliance uh, hosts a uh, alliance in our name, Family Policy Alliance. The first thing we do is alliances. We host this wonderful alliance of, of 40 states um, like like CAP in, in Arizona and, and um, the family leader in Iowa and, and the Michigan Family Forum where I live and, and these wonderful organizations. And it really, to me, as a former Speaker of the House and minority leader and you know worker on presidential campaigns and state governor campaigns, there is nothing like what the next word is family policy council that you said the, the state organizations are called family policy councils and we work together in alliance uh there there's uh, no boss over other people it, it's an alliance in the truest sense of the, the word where we come together and um we lift each other up we we uh um, use our voice to to amplify each other um and um it's just this amazing alliance that i think is the most important thing in america right now uh, is not talking about tax cuts. It's not talking about the, the, these other uh, issues. It's about what's going on in our culture in America. That's that's what it, people, that's what's on their minds. That's what actually changes people from voting one way to voting another way. And um, the Family Policy Alliance convenes this, um, these allies, the Family Policy Councils, uh, um, uh, like yours in, in Arizona, um, to such a powerful impact in our country right now. And um, in addition to our alliance work, we do two other things. We do education. Uh, we have a Statesman um, Academy uh, because, um, and Kathy knows this well, and I know it. We both had our frustrations over the years, Kathy, where you work hard to get somebody elected, and they show up, and the lobbyists and everybody works on them for about 30 days, and they say, man, I was told I can't bring my values to this office, I, that they're not welcome here. And, and I got to vote. I got to go along and get along. And, and um, that's just not true. And so we train elected officials um, once they're elected uh, um, uh, so they can live out their values of, of what they campaigned on, who they are. We don't want them to lose that when they're, when they're in office. And I think that's special and unique in America. And uh, those people come from the family policy councils in the states, nominate those folks. And uh, it's, it's worked out well. We, we have graduates in 33 states, and some of them have moved on to Congress. And even the chair of the Republican Study Committee, Jim Banks, is a, is a graduate. And, um, and then the third thing is we do uh, advocacy and mobilization, but uh, we don't do it um, the same way that uh, um, the center does there uh, in Arizona. We, uh, we do it when, when an issue that um, many states are working on to help uh, um, raise and again amplify that voice, like Save Girls Sports, we are working on in 30 states this year, and so somebody, the states are so focused on winning in their states, and we did in a bunch of states, and we're winning more next year. Um, but who's gonna 
let the national audience know what's going on in these great stories in, in multiple states. And so that's where we focus our energy. We, we, the states run the state issues, but, but uh, we, uh, we focus on amplifying it so uh, people in the country hear about it. And that's how we get people, you know, we have that in 30 states, which means 20 aren't working on it. But we amplify that voice nationally, and maybe some of those 20 states that haven't even introduced the bill yet will hear about what's going on in the other states, and they'll say, you know what, next year I want to do that. Well, and I always say that we're a unique breed. I mean, you use the word unique a couple of times, but my colleagues around the country have become, in many ways, some of my closest friends or know, you know, there's no one quite like us, to, you know, that we are leading a state policy organization. I think all of us are focused on life issues, marriage and family issues, religious freedom issues, and we learn from one another. We pray for one another. We convene at least once a year. We go to conferences together, and we are a pretty tight-knit group uh, and have fun together, too. Um, you know, we, we've talked about we just recently had our annual conference together, and one of the traditions is karaoke night. And, um, and you know, you're not about to see me up there on karaoke night, but it's, you know, we've got some of my colleagues from other states. They just love, you know, they, they're great at the karaoke. Karaoke night is one of the funnest nights I've had in a while. But anyway, well, let me... Just you know, to use a phrase when we talk about the issues, what's going on in the states, what Family Policy Alliance is doing, you know, there's the phrase, um, "What keeps you up at night?" As far as what's going on in our country, and not that you're not sleeping at night, but just you know that <laughs> phrase. As far as like you know, what concerns you or like touches your heart that that you see going on that that you're really concerned about? I, I'm really concerned right now in our country because um, uh, the stakes have gotten so much uh, greater, you know, and and people have, I think. Uh, lost a lot of perspective and um you know truth itself if if, if we don't um that seems to be what we're fighting over you know right now and and i worked as you pointed out a prison fellowship and chuck colson was the one that told me to drop my debt and when he heard you know my testimony and the work i was doing to help people in addiction said i i needed to serve the lord i needed to come to work there and he he talked a lot about this you know uh, uh post-truth post-modern and and, and he would even be writing the books in the 80s of saying, this is coming, and, and this is a threat to um, the, the fabric of, of our culture. You know, uh, we can come back from a financial catastrophe. We can rebuild after a war effort. Uh, but, but what our country is is an idea. You know, our, our country is, is um, high-minded, um, very scripturally sound principles and values articulated in a secular way, but drawn right from inspiration from the Bible about the uh, dignity, worth, and value of every human life. And um, we've been disregarding that, you know, with decisions like Roe versus Wade, where people take that as a, as a, um, as a court decision. Well, it, it's a lot more than that. You know, uh, we're a country that enslaved human beings for hundreds of years before we became a country. And then uh, for 70 plus years after we became a, com a, a country or as we were forming. And uh, it, it's a, it's a horrible sin that, that our founders and we fought a civil war to try to get rid of. And, and, and we, we pull up and out of that and a hundred years later, what do we decide to do? We start saying that we're going to actually discard human life before it even has a chance of, of breathing its first breath. And those are the things that actually can destroy the franchise that is the United States of America. And, and now we're seeing that continue with the uh, debate on uh, um, gender and, and marriage and parenting. 
uh, to, you know, that we're, we're literally doing the enemy's job for them. We're doing Russia and China's job for them. That if we get rid of families, if we get rid of moms and dads, uh, and if we get rid of as we are and have the government sponsoring the termination of the upcoming generations of, of Americans, uh, we're, we're, we're destroying ourselves. And, and um, I think that Americans are starting to wake up to that. Um, I think it's a bit of a slow uh, in coming, um, but what we're seeing in my work in justice is once people, once the coin drops and they say, wait a second, that's a human being created in the image of God, we need to reform some of those laws. And we need to, you know, they may never get out of prison. You know, everyone's got to be held accountable for what they did, but they're a human being. Um, and that changed the discussion. And, and as that returns to the kid, in the environment that they're in, in a family, when it returns to that baby is, is a human being. Um, I, I hope that, that our country, just as I hit a, a low bottom um, in my own recovery before I was ready to recover and, and, and uh, have a new life in Jesus, uh, my prayer and, and where my concerns are, the heaviest in my heart is, I'm hoping this is our bottom. I hope we don't have to go further, Kathy, because it feels like a, a bottom. And it feels like we've gone a lot lower in the last six or seven months to me. Well, you almost took my next question away, but I'll rephrase it. You mentioned working with Justice Fellowship with Chuck Colson, and you worked closely with Chuck before his passing. Any particular lessons that you learned from Chuck Colson? You mentioned truth, and, and certainly what, um, you know, what he would talk about. We all learned a lot about how he analyze what was going on in our country from a biblical worldview, but any particular lessons that stand out that you learned from Chuck Colson? Well, and I'll go back because it's important to say it again, and then I'll give you different things, specific things that he taught me. Um, the truth matters. If you don't have the truth, you don't have anything else. And, and one of his tricks, I'm looking for a pen, is people would try to fight with him. You know, we're straight out of Pontius Pilate. What, what is truth or do your Bill Clinton, it depends on what the meaning of is is, you know, to him. And, and he would take a pen and he would say, that's gravity. Can we, agree, can we start there, right? That's Drop gravity. the pen. You know, mm -hmm. for those of you at home, I hope it clicked in your ears about the podcast. <laughs> Dropping the pen. Um, and, and they would say, you're being a smart aleck. And he'd say, no, I'm not. You know, like you, you have to start somewhere and you have to build on that and, and uh, do it. And the second thing, um, and this is what made Prison Fellowship, I think, a wonderful place, at, you know, to do advocacy. And, 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 and this is what attracted me to the Family Policy Alliance is it's done at a much larger scale and more directly with the churches and the parishioners and everyone else on multiple issues. It is um, to say that our representatives represent the culture. They don't lead the culture. Okay. Now, there are instances of elected leaders that have led and, and have changed opinions and everything else. But they are not the majority. They're, they're not even a, a big minority. Um, most of them are representing the culture of their district or their state. And so um, what is so amazing about the Center for Arizona Policy and, and, and all the other FPCs and the FPA movement is rather than just say that we're going to elect somebody and hope that they can lead the 100 or 200 or 600,000 people, you know, or, or statewide that they represent, we're actually going to invest in, in uh, trying to speak into that culture. So the representative has the ability to, to lead and, and stay politically viable in that leadership position. And um, for everybody listening to this podcast and, and the wonderful work that CAP does in Arizona, they're a national leader. 
and, and they're one of the most impactful voices that you will find in America. It's because of what I just said. And so for those of you that that respond to the emails, that that call legislators and Kathy and her team ask you to do that, that, that donate the money and do everything else, you will not see greater impact in our culture than what CAP is doing with anybody else. I don't care what form of advocacy uh, other people are doing because you, the listeners, are, are, are changing the the, um, the culture, and, and that helps us uh, get different repre- representation. You bring a unique perspective to our movement. Um, certainly the Justice Fellowship, the Prison Fellowship background that we've talked about, but also that role of being a politician, of being a lawmaker, of being the Speaker of the House. So a couple of questions on that. Uh, how does your experience as being a Speaker of the House factor into you now leading a national pro-family conservative movement? Um, you know, instead of, instead of like, you know, hurting cat, I was saying, you know, lawmakers, it's like hurting cats. I'm not going to say we're like hurting cats by any means, but but um, comparisons between just the two kind of different um, roles and, co- and career positions. It, it's a remarkable remarkably close job that I have <laughs> as the national leader of this movement to when I was a caucus leader. And I had the privilege of being both the speaker and the minority leader. And for those of you that want to run for the state legislature, you want to be the speaker. It's a much more fun job, Kathy, I assure you. <laughs> than minority leader, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did both. And, and in both cases, um, that person, it, it's misunderstood a lot. You know, there, there's not a lot of speakers of the House that go on to be governor and president and things like that because their job is actually not to be the hot shot their job is to help the, all the people that elected them uh be the hot shot you know in 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 their areas and um that's when you know you got a good uh leader you know when you got a good speaker when you got a good uh, minority leader is when they're helping other people uh pass their bills when they're helping other people advance the things that their district needs um and and things like that and so um, it, 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 one of your peers, Kathy, actually told me that before I applied for the job. And I said, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? And, and I called him, Gene Mills, down in Louisiana, uh, Louisiana Family Forum. And, and he told me that it was going to be my experience as a caucus leader that would help. And then uh, Jack Hugendike, who I served with in the Michigan House, is actually on the board of your uh, uh, peer, Julaine. Uh, Appling up in, in Wisconsin, I talked to him, and they both said the same thing. And um, the only thing I would would say from that experience for those at home that are wondering what it actually feels like to be a speaker or a minority leader, I, I have a different phrase than uh, herding cats, and this is from experience. It's uh, like putting uh, frogs in a bucket because you put the frog in a bucket and you turn around to get the next frog, and the frog jumps out of the bucket. <laughs> 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 That's a good one. Okay, so last question. Um, what, you know, as a former lawmaker, you know, the question that, that everyone always wants to know is, what was the most effective way that constituents interacted with you? Uh, you know, I think a lot, you know, as far as whether it's, of course, in today's world, emails, texts, phone calls. I mean, what? how does someone, the, the citizen out there, how can they be the most effective in interacting with their lawmakers? Yeah, um, so this is one, and, and uh, I don't have an easy answer for you, but I, I, I know there's a lot of people that want to know, how can I move the needle? If I'm going to take the time at all, how can I move the needle? And I can tell you that a good old-fashioned handwritten letter is is the um, highest impact that you can have. Um, the electronic stuff that um, Family Policy Alliance and, and CAP 
uh, provides for you is very effective. Don't don't believe for a second it's not. Um, it, it, it's hugely effective because uh, people think that legislators get a thousand calls on everything and, it, and it's all white noise and, and they can block it out. That's not true. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times I would go in expecting to vote on something when I was speaker saying we're ready to go and people would say, I got four messages this morning and I'm concerned. Because most people, you know, there's literally probably a thousand bills that are alive in Arizona. Uh, there's probably a hundred, you know, that are, are being taken seriously. Um, and there's probably only a handful, you know, it, you know, things like school funding, you know. Sure, they're going to get a thousand emails and calls on both sides. It's part of the job. But every other one, they're, they're not hearing much. You know, they're, they're not hearing much at all. So don't discount any of the communication that you can do. Um, and and the, to the extent that you get the emails and the notices uh, to participate, I'd encourage you to do that because even three or four of you calling somebody, you know, uh, um, like I said, the, the nuclear bomb is the handwritten note. Um, and and uh, But the emails and, and the texts and the other things that are available to you, um, they, they make a huge difference. You're, you're a big disproportionate um, advantage, uh, more so than money with most politicians because they, they're in their head they're thinking, well, I can raise my money from somebody else. I can't go get votes from anybody else. I can't change my district lines um, over this. And, and so uh, your voice um, is more important than you think. Craig, that reminds me of um, one of the experiences I've had in Arizona sitting in the Senate gallery and the last vote that we needed to send the marriage amendment to the ballot for marriage, whether it was union of one man, to define marriage as the union of only one man and one woman. And the 16th vote complained some when he was explaining his vote. And then he said, but ultimately my constituents want to be able to vote on this and I vote aye. And that put us on the ballot. And that's where, how do you know that his constituents wanted him wanting to be able to vote on the marriage amendment? Because people were writing those letters. They were, they were, anytime they saw him out in public, they were saying, let us vote, let us vote. And that, that's where you can't underestimate that. You know, as we've, as I've heard you um, share during this uh, Engage Arizona podcast, I've um, thought of this, this verse has come to my mind and it makes me, um, I think it describes you and why. Those of us in the Family Policy Council movement are blessed and glad that you're at the helm now. And it's the one from Micah 6-8 that we're all familiar with. But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. And you are, you've shown your humility today, certainly um, to do justice and to love kindness. And so, you know, may God bless you and the work that you're doing. And, yeah, I'm not going to say we're herding cats, but how you're, um, but how, we're frogs. <laughs> but anyway, but we are, we are grateful. And, you know, thank you for spending the time with us today and um you know you're making a difference and we're just looking forward to the next years of working with you and i'm looking forward to it too and uh i can't wait to come see you again because i live in michigan so in about a month and a half you know uh, uh, um my arizona ask weather uh, goes away and uh i'll be out there real soon kathy but it's a real privilege to be with you and thanks for having me on the show thank you god bless Thank you for listening to Engage Arizona, public policy for daily life. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe, rate, and give a review on any podcast platform you use. For more information, visit azpolicy.org.